0: I don't know if you realize, but what you are doing is quite special, like uh, many of you are here for at least a few weeks, if not a month, and sometimes a few months. So has it ever, you probably notice that to some of your friends, when you talk about what you are doing, they are asking, what is this, you see? Uh, And then sometimes they may tell you, what, you are going to sit doing nothing for weeks? Huh? Instead of enjoying your vacation or having good time. So some people cannot understand <coughs> what is the purpose of meditation and uh, uh, what are the advantages, adv- advantages of meditation. So we see with the meditation that actually it's of great benefit. We have a great advantage. And the first advantage we have is by knowing our mind, by being aware that our happiness depends on our state of mind. And what is that happiness? Where is that coming from? It's coming from the clarity that we get from the mind. And how we call the clarity is actually one-pointedness of mind. So when the mind is able to see one thing at a time, very clearly, this is a kind of samadhi. And in the Pali, you can call that also Eka-gata-chitta. Hmm? So uh, today I would like to make a kind of relation with something that happened two, more than 2,000 years ago. all stories of India. Huh? And I will take a text of the Buddha that we have here. And the text is the Dantabhumi Sutta from the Majima Nikaya. The, the grade of the tamed. It is number 25 if later you want to check it. Of course, if you know it, then just be patient and try to get more meaning out of it. So now you remember, try try if you have never been to Asia or to India. Just imagine you are just over there and uh, the story starts by mentioning about a prince. So that means a prince, I mean, we don't hear, we don't have any more prince so much, but uh, uh, it's the story of a, of a prince. Actually, he was the son of, uh, of the great king Bimbisara over there in, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the area of uh, Raj, Rajgiri. And uh, then that prince, a young man, just having a good time, He was uh, just having a good time and going around, (coughs) and uh, one day he came to to see a young novice, a young monk, and the monk was, of course, he knew uh, the Buddha's teaching, and he was also practicing meditation. So the young prince comes to that young novice, and then he asks him, the question is, that. I have heard that a bhikkhu who abides here diligent, ardent, and resolute can achieve unification of mind. The novice answers to him, this is so, prince. That is so. A bhikkhu who abides here diligent, ardent, and resolute can achieve unification of mind. It would be good if Master Agi Vesana, this is the name of the novice, will teach me the Dhamma as he heard it and master it. So the novice replies, I cannot teach you the Dhamma, Prince, I have, as I have heard it and master it. For if I were to teach you the Dhamma as I have heard it and, have, and master it, you will not understand the meaning of my words and that will be worrying and troublesome for me. <coughs> So please, Master Ajivasina, teach me the, the Dhamma as you have heard it. Okay, he said. But if you cannot understand the meaning, then leave it at, at that and do not question me about this a little bit further. So uh, then the, 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 the novice explains to the, to the prince what he, what he knows and uh, you know some kind of uh, basic teaching that, that the prince could understand. And after he talked, then the prince uh, Jayasena, was his name, uh, says, It is impossible, Master Agivasena. It cannot happen that a bhikkhu who abides diligent, ardent, and resolute can achieve unification of mind. So he was not believing what the novice was saying. I'm sure that you talked about the advantage you get in meditation with some of your friends and then some of your colleagues, and they will say, say, what is this, you know, what is that again? Anyway, of course, science is proving everything, and we can come with uh, nice charts and magazines are saying that you have so much advantages by practicing meditation. But still, the skeptics will remain skeptics. So uh, what happened is that the the, 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 the novice, uh, he went to the Buddha and then he said, oh, well, there is that prince and he came to talk to me and I could not uh, answer really properly. Of course, he didn't believe and and he went away. So the Buddha told him, well, uh," he says, how is it possible that Prince Jayasena, living in the midst of sensual pleasure, enjoying sensual pleasure, being devoured by thoughts of sensual pleasures, being consumed by the fever of sensual pleasures, bent on the search for sensual pleasures, could know, see, or realize that which must be known through renunciation, seen through renunciation, attained through renunciation, realized through renunciation. That is impossible. So I'm sure some of you look at me and knows we were sure the monk is going to talk about renunciation. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are. But I think that all of you have renounced a lot. Don't you think so? You have renounced a lot. You are here. You are not with your family. You are away from your house. Some have come from very far just to be quiet in a meditation center. So that's quite a big deal of renunciation. Some also come only for one hour. But already, the idea is to get a new perspective on what we are doing on our life. So, that new perspective demands a certain type of backing up. And this is the basic, of, uh, basic principle of renunciation. We back up from what we are used to do. And we are getting a little bit uh, away from these habitual things. Of course, here the renunciation is basically about the sensual pleasure, which is always, uh, uh, we, we always, I mean, we just feel on sensual pleasure all our life. The, the world, the life of the world is very much, <laughs> not all the time, but it's very much motivated by, by sensual pleasure. So, our question actually will be is there something beyond sensual pleasure? And of course, when we start to get the joy of meditation, then we think, oh, wow, it's much better than anything else. Huh? So we start to get a taste of it. But still, sometimes the sensual pleasures are still attracting us and we think, well, you know, maybe I would better have a break and uh, have, a fun, uh, have fun, you know. So, of course, life uh, can be enjoyable, but uh, nevertheless, if we have other perspective on the, uh, some aspect of it, then we get richer. So anyway, uh, so here the Buddha is—he he is telling the story of uh, of elephants, and he says, uh, suppose that we were that there were two tameable elephants, horse or oxen that were well tamed and well disciplined, and two tameable elephants, horses, or oxen, that were untamed and undisciplined. What do you think? I, I, I give a sense. Will, will the two tameable elephants, horses, or oxen, that were well-tamed and well-disciplined, being tame, acquire the behavior of the tame? Will they arrive at the grade of the tame? And then he said, yes, of course. And uh, then the same thing... Uh, that those who are being being untamed acquire the behavior of the tame will they arrive at the grade of the tame like the two tameable elephants horses or oxen that were well tamed and well disciplined no it's not possible so uh, then he compares the the, the 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 prince with not to who have, actually no, not much of a of a Order in his life, and then someone with a bit more uh, discipline, if we can say. But the word discipline also is a relative word, so don't take it as something very, very, very strict. Hmm? It, 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 it may have a, a, a different meaning. And then here, the simile that he is giving, he is giving a, a, a second simile. And uh, he is uh, the Buddha. He, he, he tells to the novice that uh, uh, that uh, if there was a high mountain not far from a village or a town, and two friends will leave the village or town and approach the mountain hand in hand. Having reached it, one friend will remain below at the foot of the mountain, while the other will climb to the top. Then the friend who reminded… Who remained below at the foot of the mountain will say to the friend who stood on the top, Well, friend, what do you see standing on the top of the mountain? And the other replied, Standing on top of the mountain, friend, I see lovely parks, lovely groves, lovely meadows, and lovely ponds. Then the first friend will say, It is impossible friend, it cannot happen that while standing on top of the mountain, you shall see lovely parks, lovely groves, lovely meadows and lovely ponds." Then the other friend will come down to the foot of the mountain, take his friend by the arm and make him climb to the top of the mountain. After giving him a few moments to catch his breath, he will ask, Well, friend, standing on the top of the mountain, what do you see? And his friend will reply, Standing on top of the mountain, friend, I see lovely parks, lovely groves, lovely meadows, and lovely ponds." Then the other will say, Friend, just a little earlier, we heard you say, It is impossible, friend, it cannot happen that while standing on top of the mountain, you should see lovely parks, etc., et and lovely pounds. But just now, we heard you say, standing on top of the mountain, Friend, I see, lovely parks, etc. and lovely ponds. Then the first friend would reply, because I was obstructed by this high mountain friend, I did not see what was there to be seen. So what is the mountain? And what does it mean? Does that mean that we need to climb on the top of the mountain? To see everything? Yes and no. Because here, the mountain actually is the obstruction. So because we have the mountain in front of us, we don't see anything else. And would the mountain here remind you of the, at the beginning last week, I talked about the walls. You know, the the arrow and the, and the bow and then the arrow will hit the first wall, then the person will climb, and then he will see another perspective, and then with another arrow, he will shoot again, and then the wall, So here, we have the first wall, and this is the mountain. What that mountain, what does it represent? So, the story says that uh, the Buddha, says that so too Aggivena Prince Jayasena is obstructed, injured, blocked, and enveloped by a still greater mass than than this that means a still greater mass than this mountain, and this is the mass of ignorance, just to have a break and uh, uh, reminding us that uh, One aspect of our retreat is uh, is causality. So, if we look at ignorance itself, which is uh, in Pali, called avidja, what are the causes, what are the conditions that will uh, make avidja arise? So, in one of the the book, if you like the quotations in the Anguttara, There is a sutta that says that uh, ignorance has as a nutriment. Nutriment here, called ahara means a condition. So, ignorance has as a condition, it is not without condition, without nutriment. And what is the nutriment for ignorance? It should be said, the five hindrances. (coughs) So that means we don't see clearly because we have the five entrances, and these entrances they are in our mind. So the obstructions that we are getting actually here, represented by the mountain, is something symbolic, and it means that uh, the entrances we are having to deal with are obstruction. Uh, our perspective, they are uh, obstructing our view. So here, uh, I hope you don't get bored by this text, but uh, I will continue. And uh, then the, the, the novice uh, says to the Buddha, "Venerable Sir, how could these two similes have occurred to me with reference to Prince Jayasena, as they occur to the Blessed One, since they are spontaneous and have never have never been heard before." And uh, and then the Buddha. Uh, he gives the he gives the the, the, the example of a, of a, of a king, who who had some people working for him, the woods woodsman, and then he, he tells them, Ah, oh, good elephant, woodsman, mount the king's elephant, enter the elephant wood, and and when you see a forest elephant. Bind him by the neck to the king's elephant. Having replied, yes, sir, the elephant woodsman mounts the king's elephant, enters the elephant wood, and when he sees the forest elephant, binds him by the neck to the king's elephant. The king's elephant leads him out into the open, and it is in this way that a forest elephant comes out into the open for the forest. Elephant clings to the f- elephant wood. So, you know you understand the idea, no? So, the uh, one tame elephant, that means the elephant of the king, when they, when they want to get uh, a wild elephant, they send, the, they send a trainer with, with the, the, the trained elephant, and then they, they are able to approach, because it's, a, it's an elephant, they are able to approach the wild e- elephant. So, when they are close to the wild elephant, then they catch one, and then they follow the other one. Uh, and then they bring, in, they, they bring him to the, uh, to the, to the city and uh, then they give him training, they give him training, yes. So that's how they, this is what is uh, described here. So, uh, so then when they have brought the elephant to the king, then they say uh, to the king that uh, the forest elephant has come out into the open. So then the king addresses his elephant tamer thus, Come, good elephant tamer, tame the forest elephant, subdue his forest habits, subdue his forest memories and intentions, subdue his distress, fatigue, and fever over leaving the forest. Get him to take delight in the town, inculcate him in him habits congenial to human beings. And then Then the the, the, the elephant tamer says yes, and uh, he plants a large post in the earth and binds the forest elephant to it by the neck in order to subdue his uh, forest habits and to inculcate in him uh, habits congenial to human beings. Then the elephant tamer addresses the elephant with words that are gentle, pleasing to the ear, and lovable as go to the heart, are courteous, desired by many, and agreeable to many. When the forest elephant is addressed by such words, he listens, gives ear, and exerts his mind to understand. Don't you think this is sweet? That means a wild elephant, an animal, can be sensitive to the voice of a human being. So the voice of the elephant tamer is so much tuned to the animal that he is able to understand his wild habit of forest, his wild habit of elephants. Then the elephant tamer next rewards him with grass folder and water. When the forest elephant accepts the grass folder and water, from him the elephant knows the elephant tamer knows now the king's elephant will live so once the wild elephant starts to eat then okay he's safe because sometimes you catch a wild animal and they don't want they are so so out of place and then so afraid of the humans that they they refuse to eat and then they die but here if the elephant starts to eat then it's okay they will be able to do something with him then you have again you you still have another process of of training and then the elephant tamer trains him further thus you take up you take down and then uh uh, he orders to take up and put down and carries out his instructions and uh, go forward go back etc and then get up and sit down and he ties a giant plank to his trunk and a man with a lance in his hand sits on his neck with these men with lances in their hands, surround him all on all sides, and the elephant tamer himself stands in front of him, holding a long lance. So, uh, so the then the when the elephant is being trained in the task of imperturbability, uh, he does not move his four legs or his in-leg, he does not move his four quarters or his head-in-quarters, quar- he does not move his head, ears, tusk, tail, and trunk. The king's elephant is able to endure blows from spears, blows from swords, blows from arrows, and from other beings, and the thundering sounds of drums, kettle-drums, trumpets, and tambans, being rid of all the faults and defects, of flaws he is worthy of the king in the king's service so uh, at the end of the of the training then the elephant can endure anything and then at the end also they they, they test him whether he will be able to face uh, very hard conditions when he is in war because they are trained actually there to go in war, huh? so then that's why you, you 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 get the guy on top of him with uh, with a lance, and then uh, a lot of people agitated with uh, all kinds of things around him. So if the elef- elephant does not react, if the elephant stands still and then doesn't move, then he's ready. That means he will be able to. Uh, he, he is well trained, and then he will be able to uh, uh, to be correct in the war. So then the the the. the the the, the 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 trainer uh, informs the king, huh? and then he says, "Okay, now uh, the elephant has come in the open, and uh, he, 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 we inculcate, inculcate him in him a congenial to human beings, and etc." So now the elephant is trained. Uh, no, I I, I I repeated the same thing. But anyway, it it comes back to the same. Also, it is funny here that uh, we are talking about an elephant. But also, the idea is that, uh, again, it's about the the gradual training. So, uh, we we, we can remind ourselves that uh, uh, the training can be... We see also in the you see this is one one of the texts that speaks about uh, gradual training, but you have many other uh, uh, presentation of also a gradual training sometimes it is used with example of accountant or someone who wants to be an accountant gets trained in the accountant office you know little by little he learns how to count and then to learn more complicated equations and, and, and everything but uh, uh, every type, every type of handicraft uh, or, 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 or any types of profession needs 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 training and education. So here the, the the gradual training that you see uh, in the text. If you take the books, which uh, sometimes may be meaningless to you because it's so much of repetition, and it seems also maybe too artificial, like they talk about, it's always a repetition that seems so. Sometimes it may seem it may seem out of place, but uh, anyway, the. The, the story is that uh, the comparison of the gradual training, whether it is for an elephant or for accountancy or anything like that, it is compared to the gradual training of the Buddhist teaching. And, uh, and then it, it, says, it says that uh, uh, so too, I give a scene, uh, a Tathagata, the Buddha, appears in the world, accomplished, fully enlightened, perfect in true knowledge and conduct, sublime, knower of the worlds, incomparable leader of persons to be tamed, teacher of gods and human, enlightened, blessed. He declares this world with its god, its maras and its brahmas, this generation with its recluses and brahmins, its princes and its people, which he has himself realized by direct knowledge. He teaches the dhamma good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end, with the right meaning and phrasing, and it reveals a holy life that is utterly perfect and pure. So again, is it possible for us to take the meaning of that and adjust that to our society, adjust that to our life and our generation, to our world? Like, what is this, you know? Like this generation with its recluses and brahmins, its princes, and its people, it's a little bit the the the, the, the descriptions speaks about the society of uh, ancient India. So, how will could, could we make a relation with, with this one? I think it's it's the same. So, we still have hierarchy in the society, and we still are, have all these uh, these uh, these descriptions. They are here. But maybe with uh, other terms. So, what is happening is that a, a householder or a householder's sons, or I will say a daughter, or one born in some other clan, hears that Dhamma. On hearing the Dhamma, he or she acquires faith in the Tathagata, possessing that faith. He considered thus, also, life is crowded and dusty, life gone forth is wide open. It's not easy, while living at home, to lead the holy life utterly perfect and pure as a polished shell. Suppose I shave off my hair and beard, and beard, put on the yellow robe, and go forth from the home, life into homelessness. On a later occasion, Abandoning a small or a large fortune, abandoning a small or a large circle of relatives, he shaves off his hair and beard, puts on the yellow robe, and goes forth from the home life into homelessness. It is in this way that a noble disciple comes out into the open. For gods and humans cling to the five cords of sensual pleasure. Recently I was talking with a, a professor uh, just down there, and he is Indian. And then he was telling me that uh, uh, in our Western society, it's the, 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 the concept of renunciation is uh, very difficult to accept. People don't credit that much compared to India, but in India, the aspect of renunciation that means all these types of things, it 's not only with the Buddhists but uh, you have all kinds of uh, of recluses, all kinds of marginals, all kinds of the sadhu or you know they just renounce everything and they go and then they they they, they, they go wandering but uh, in this society, we still think with our so sophisticated technology and science, we still believe that we can fix the world somehow. So renunciation, letting go, and trying to find alternatives of uh, uh, these phenomena of uh, death and sickness, and it's not really well considered. So we still want to to fix up the thing, and then we still think that no, there is hope. There is hope. It doesn't mean that uh, we will not do something for the people. It doesn't mean that we will not do for something from the, from from the world. But here it means that uh, the aspect of renunciation has a uh, not a very good uh, reputation, if we can say, in the world. Now, if you speak about a renunciate here, then Maybe, maybe, but, uh, but, uh, but in general, it's not, uh, I think it, it has not too much of, a, of, uh, of credit. <coughs> so also last week, before I come here, then I met, uh, I met, uh, I met a, a, a man, uh, and then he, he was telling me that uh, he had finished his family duties, and then he was just taking a break. He made peace with his family like, no problem. Huh? And uh, he was in his 50s. And, and he came here, and then he spent a few months here uh, working and then doing uh, a few things, you know. And, and then from here also he will go to another place and, uh, you know, just seeing meditation centers and monasteries. And so he was telling me that it reminds him, it reminded him when he was young and he was traveling. And uh, the advantage he was getting from that is that uh, he was able to get a new perspective. That means you, 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 you just get out of your box. As they say, you just get out of your box and then you see your life a little bit differently. So by coming here, you are not with your friends. You make new friends, but you are not with your family. You are not with your usual surrounding. So you are also very quiet. So that quietness, that seclusion, that kind of uh, isolation you have from your habitual uh, patterns of living is giving you a new perspective, isn't it? You are able to reflect by yourself. Uh, and no one tells you really, no, you have to do like this, you have to believe like that. You, have to, you are getting a perspective, just like when you are traveling, when you are young, or at any age, you go out from your house, your home, and then you have a trip. And then if you are on another continent, continent or a bit far away, then you can think about your house, you can think about your, your job, and then your family, and then you get new ideas, you get a new perspective. So, uh, the same principle applies with our meditation. That means we are, of course, separated by space. We are separated by location. But the separation that uh, we are getting starts to be more uh, with the mind. That means the mind gets a little bit more perspective. The mind is giving more predominance to see that uh, with that quality of, uh, of, uh, of observation, which is outside the usual pattern of thinking, usual pattern of uh, of behaving, we are getting a new perspective. And of course, when the mind is more clear, then the perspective is still deeper. So uh, this is not new for you. You realize that uh, just after a few days in your retreat, you start to see the world a little bit differently. You start to see your life a little bit differently. And this changing of perspective Change also your attitude. Then you say, ah, oh, okay, now I did like this and then no, this was not good. Or oh, I did like this and this is very good. So the perspective is giving you new ideas. The perspective also is changing your attitude that will improve your life. So this is the whole practice of the meditation and this is all the old practice of, uh, of the gradual training. That means gradually, gradually, we develop a new perspective that is going to improve or uh, change our attitudes and then also change uh, many uh, things uh, in our uh, life so then coming back to our story is that uh, uh, then of course he, he shaved the the person shaved his beard and uh, so now if you, if you have not yet shaved, then you can just look at us, no? we are just a few monastics here. Yeah? So you, t- you look at us and, and you think, ah, oh, I am also like a monastic. Eh? For at least for a few weeks, no? you remember that, oh now I am like a monastic and uh, I am kind of renunciate. And, uh, and then you get your faith and you know that uh, you are, you are <laughs> to, to a good deal. Uh, renunciating with many things. So you don't need necessarily to change uh, your clothes. Your clothes, We look also, also uh, with some people and uh, they don't want to change the, the cloth itself, but actually in their heart, their renunciation sometimes is better than monastics. I don't say that monastics may not have uh, much higher uh, quality of renunciation because it's categorical. It's almost, uh, yeah, it's really categoric, But in some cases, definitely, some lay people will have much uh, uh, renunciation than uh, monastics. But 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 it's relative. No, I don't want to say uh, that uh, lay people have more renunciation. So I hope you don't misunderstand, <laughs> because it's a little bit different. But somehow. As they say, the cloth does not make the monk, or the cloth does not make the the nun. So it's not only with the external appearance, it is inside our heart, to which extent are we detached and to which extent do we have a type of wisdom that uh, brings us uh, contentment and uh, peace of mind and also detachments from from all these uh, worldly uh, situations so the the next step here, once the the, the 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 person has come out into the open, which now this is what you did, eh? you renounce your your, your 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 life and then you come out in the open oh? so now it's very quiet and you have nothing to do, and uh, you are just left in the open like this. So the next step is the 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 the, the, the Tathagata disciplines further, and he says, "Come, be virtuous, restrained with the restraint of the patimokka, be perfect in conduct and resort, and seeing fear in the slightest fault, and trained by the undertaking undertaking the training precepts." So <laughs> now we have taken the eight precepts. monastics takes a uh, more precepts, but we have committed ourselves to a kind of of morality that is different. So, if we are able to keep eight precepts, if we are able to keep five precepts, and of course, more precepts, that means already we are disciplined. We are able to have a kind of discipline. So, after after, uh, training in the precepts, then... Uh, uh, the training is that. Uh, so then, the, 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 when the noble disciple, this is you, is virtuous and sees the fear in the slightest fault, trains by undertaking, undertaking the training precepts, then the, 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 the Tathagata disciplines him further. Come, guard the doors of your sense faculty. On seeing a form with the eye, do not grasp at its sign in future. I'm not going to repeat. Don't worry. You remember it very well. Huh? So uh, just remind yourself, what is the meaning of guarding the senses? So now your yeah, first step is just the precepts. And then second step is the, 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 the guarding the sense doors but of course if you take some other other uh, description of that not only they mention the training but also they mention the the, the advantage you, you, you have by doing these things so the advantage we get by by kind of virtuous uh, behavior is is a peace of mind like the happiness a type of happiness that is the happiness happiness of a, a free a consciousness free from from blame or remorse Or you see when we are not doing anything harmful then we get the kind of innocent type of mind So this is just by observing the precepts. then we remember, ah, today I did nothing wrong, like I did not uh, harm anyone. And so, if you do that regularly, you get a a type of happiness that it's a kind of blameless uh, type of happiness. But also, if you go further and train your mind by restraining the senses, then another type of happiness that is still more subtle, and it's called the happiness of uh, taintless, happiness that means you protect your mind from being invaded by uh, unskillful mental states so that brings a more subtle happiness and it's just the, 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 the happiness uh, to have more clarity in your mind so after that the training goes with the, okay be moderate in eating and reflecting wisely. You should take food neither for amusement or for intoxication or for the sake of physical beauties and attractiveness, etc. And just for the endurance of continence of this body, for ending discomfort and for assisting the body, uh, the holy life. Considering that by terminating all feelings without arousing new feelings, I shall be healthy. You see? I shall be healthy. So we eat food for health. I shall be healthy and blameless and shall live in comfort. So, that means we shall never be afraid to eat. And then we shall eat to be healthy and then to live in comfort. And not only that, but uh, by reflecting wisely. What is the meaning there? It means the reflection. What is the reflection? A reflection is, uh, is when you are able to look at something and then you are able to consider what is its place in a specific context. That means you are reflecting the contextual or the, uh, the purpose of, of the, the, that specific activity. So, uh, by reflecting on what you are doing, not only heating, But uh, reflecting on everything that you are doing, you will be able, I mean, I'm not, uh, sorry if you feel that I am talking to children, but uh, I know you are not children, but sorry, no? So, by reflecting wisely, that means we are able to put in perspective the purpose for which we are doing activities. So we are eating to be healthy, but that means eating is not the end. We are not living for eating, we are eating for living. And then what is the purpose of living? We have to do actions, but also we have to think, we have to think properly, and then also we have to develop our mind. So the reflection, while doing anything, is going to bring us a perspective that will help us understand the purpose of the action itself. So we see that while eating. Then, the second training, not the second, but the, f- the, the, the following training is... Uh, then, uh, they, they say that you should be devoted to wakefulness. And the, the description is that during the day, while walking back and forth and sitting, you purify your mind of obstructive states. In the first watch of the night, while walking back and forth and sitting, you purify your mind of obstructive states. And then, etc. And the, all the time, in day and night, you are very much... It doesn't mean you are necessarily practicing meditation. It means you are aware of your mind. Huh? We are aware of our mind. And uh, if we see that actually we are thinking about something that is a bit nasty or we, it's not going to be very profitable, we don't accept it but before trying to reject it we also have to understand it so by observing it properly we see that it's not going to serve our purpose and uh, and then and then and, and then and then we are cleaning the mind like this huh? so we have to be very aware of the our mental patterns and just try to make sense of what is happening there in that mind so this is called devoted to wakefulness. And then uh, the next step is that uh, once you are devoted to wakefulness, which of course you have, you have started to do that for a long time, so the next step here is that uh, come and be possessed of mindfulness and full awareness. So this is the name for Asati and Sampajanya act in full awareness when going forward and returning, when looking ahead and looking away, when flexing and extending your limbs, when wearing your robes and carrying your outer robe and bowl, when eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting, when defecating and urinating, uh, urinating, when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, walking up, talking, and keeping silence. So, here we have another uh, very important uh, practice, and it's called Sati samjanya so it is the practice the practice of mindfulness and clear understanding again with all these descriptions with all these factors, I mentioned about a gradual training but also uh, the meaning is that uh, we have levels of practice, so the practice of mindfulness and full awareness, the uh, mindfulness and f- clear comprehension, whatever way you like to translate it, has also gradual aspects huh? so the first aspect is that uh, uh, you are we, you are aware you are very mindful of what you are doing huh? this is mindfulness you are very much mindful but the point is that uh, mindfulness itself is not complete if it does not have a perspective that means the perspective of the purpose where is that why why am i mindful of of the present moment what is my purpose so that perspective is called samadhiti, it's an aspect of panya of wisdom but here it is translated as sampajanya so sampajanya also is related to, to, to wisdom pa, uh, Pajanati is like panya and panya is also the same it's a kind of uh, it's a kind of uh, not simile but uh, a synonym it's a kind of synonym for uh, for samadhiti. So the samadhi is a perspective, and then Panya also is a perspective. So with mindfulness, we need to get that perspective, we need to get that understanding of the purpose, of what we are doing. We need to have the understanding of the purpose and of what we are doing, how we are doing, the suitability of what we are doing physically, here, it is talking about the physical action. So, when we are doing something, we are putting in the describe that the monk or nun he is using the robe or the ball. You see, no, no, they, really, no, they go with the ball. Huh? So, uh, you go also with your ball. So, when you take your ball, then you, ha- you have to have clear understanding. When you put your, your robe or, or, or your cloth, you have to have full understanding. That means, you have to have a full understanding of the action itself and then its purpose. That means you are not just blank, <coughs> you know, in the in the present moment, not knowing where you are, not knowing where you are going. So to explain a little bit uh, the relationship that it could have with uh, uh, with uh, guarding the senses, like you remember, like when I said about guarding the senses, one of the methods, one of the description was. In the scene, only the scene, or here, they say that uh, when you hear something, there is no you, you, you see that the mind is not getting invaded by, by unskillful states. But uh, when it is described by in the scene, only the scene, in the earth, only the earth, in the touch, only the touch, then it's like uh, if you take it just like this, you think, oh, well, I'm just going nuts. I, 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 everything is blank. Huh? So you have no purpose. So, But the idea of uh, guarding the sense door is just to protect your mind. It is just to see that the mind does not get invaded. It doesn't mean that you are not to think. It doesn't mean that uh, you are not to, to to do things and just be attentive and mindful and aware in the present moment. It just means that that awareness, which is also a type of mindfulness, you see, it's also the guarding the senses, needs mindfulness, so that type of mindfulness has has its role just to guard the mind. But here, the type of mindfulness and the full awareness or clear understanding has, for its purpose, to bring the activity into perspective. That means the physical activity has to be understood, why I am doing something, it doesn't mean that all the time you have to reflect, but at least you know what you are doing and where you are going, why you are doing something, and the way that, is, that you are doing it is it correct or incorrect? And eventually also that type of clear understanding has to be uh, applied to the mind. Here the description is basically with, uh, uh, with looking and looking and uh, you know uh, physical activities, but also it has to be applied with the mind. That means when you are doing something, what is also the mind? Uh, doing. So, what you are feeding the mind with, we have to be very aware of that. So, when we include also in this aspect of uh, mindfulness and full awareness, the aspect of meditation, then we see that uh, the, the, the mind also has to be uh, knowledgeable ab- about what it, is go- do- what it is doing. So, at that time, only at that time, then the next step is that uh, the, yeah, this, the text says that the noble disciple possesses mindfulness and full awareness, then the te- tagata disciplines him further. Come, Bhikkhu, resort to a secluded resting place the forest, the root of a tree, a mountain, a ravi- ravine, a hillside cave, a charnel ground, a jungle thicket, an open space, a heap of straw. So this is actually what we are doing. Now we are in a quiet place. We are just all by ourselves. And this is the step where we are. So that means the previous steps, they should not be neglected. Our precepts huh? and also uh, guarding the sense door. We have to be aware of, uh, of the, 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 the sense impact. And we have to be uh, aware of uh, guarding our mind and also wakefulness. and. Uh, Also, we should be mindful, and also knowing uh, in full with full comprehension what we are actually doing physically and also uh, mentally. So then, we when we resort to uh, secluded place, then the second duty, the 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 following duty that we have to do is that. uh, Okay. On returning from his arms round, you see how sweet it is, no? Like you can imagine now you are a walk around and then you went you went for a beginning. Just just have a, a little bit of imagination. Of course, you may do it <laughs> really, but uh, but maybe you, you can just do it when you go to the refectory, now I'm going on my arms round and now I am eating my arms full. Maybe you are also like a renunciate, why not? Hmm? So uh on returning from his home, round after his meal, he sits down, or he, he, she, he, he she she sits down, folding uh, her legs crosswise, setting uh, his body erect and uh, establishing mindfulness before him. So that means now you have, you have finished eating, and then you are rested, and uh, now you 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 go for the meditation. And uh, and then another thing is that uh, before you, you 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 really start on your meditation, you have to you have to put you have to, 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 to get the, the, the correct attitude, or you have to put your mind in the in the right setup. Hmm? And the right setup is, is to see okay now what is on which channel my radio is turned. And uh, and then you have to see that you're that uh, you abide you abide with a mind free from covetousness and then you you, you purify your mind from covetousness and then abandoning ill will and hatred you also purified uh, yourself from that and abide with a mind free from ill will compassionate for the welfare of all beings Uh, he purifies his mind from ill will and hatred abandoning sloth and torpor he abides free from sloth and torpor percipient of light mindful and fully aware he purifies his mind from sloth and torpor. Abandoning restlessness and remorse, he abides unagitated with a mind inwardly peaceful. He purifies He purifies his mind from restlessness and remorse. Abandoning doubt, he abides having gone beyond doubt unperplexed about all some states. He purifies his mind from doubt. So here we are talking about the five hindrances that you... Uh, probably know theoretically or at least uh, practically, and uh, and again, uh, again, uh, when <coughs> you know it is it is talking here that we have to acknowledge the fact that sometimes these hindrances are going to come up, and uh, many of you think that okay now I now I have started the retreat and after a few days everything is going to be fine and I'm going to kind of bliss and. But the fact is that uh, we have to deal with these things. So uh, just the fact of being silent and also alone can wake up uh, these hindrances. And uh, the point is that uh, how do we abandon them? How do we destroy them? Again, we come back to to the idea of a causality. So if we don't understand them, If we don't look closely at the hindrances, then they will have power over us. So, the thing is that we have to acknowledge something. But before accepting the hindrance as an hindrance, we have to clearly see it. We have to clearly understand it. And that clear understanding of the hindrances have to do with, uh, with, uh, with observation. So when we are able to observe exactly what are these hindrances of sense pleasure, these hindrances of hatred, and when we are very upset or angry or full of passion or a kind of uh, agitation or doubts, we have to look at it and then acknowledge it. Now my mind is full of doubt or my, now my mind is full of hatred or I'm very s- full of thought and, and torpor. We have to look at it very carefully and with The proper observation, what is coming out, is that we we understand the causes. We understand the causes and conditions for these hindrances. So once we know the causes and conditions, then they have much less power to to take hold of us. But first we have to understand them very well, and uh, we shall try to remove their causes. So I will not describe the the entrances in detail. Huh? How to deal with that? If you have some questions or if you if you have more interest about that, then we 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 can talk about that later. But now I will pass it. So the text is that. Uh, uh, So they say that uh, having thus, this is also interesting, this text is for those interested in, in, the, in the literature. This text is interesting because uh, with the gradual training, nor- normally after abandoning the entrances, the yogi uh, goes in the jhana. So normally they say, okay, now... Once the person has abandoned the five hindrances, then he experiences the first jhana and then the second jhana, and then it goes on like that. This is the normal uh, uh, stereotype uh, gradual training. But here, the, 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 the description is that uh, having, abandon- having thus abandoned these five hindrances and perfections of the mind, that weaken wisdom, you see that weaken wisdom, that means that brings ignorance, uh, he abides contemplating the body as a body, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away, etc., grief for the world, he abides, contemplating feeling as feeling, mind as mind, mind objects as mind-object, are done, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetous and grief for the world. Just as the elephant tamer plants a large post in the earth and binds the forest elephant to it by the neck in order to subdue his forest habits, and to inculcate in him uh, habitual congenital to human beings. So these four foundations of mindfulness are the bindings for the mind of the noble disciple in order to subdue his habits based on the household household life, to subdue his memories and intentions based on the household life, to subdue his distress, distress, to subdue his distress, fatigue and fever, based on the household life, and in order that he may attain the true way and realize Nibbana. So this is interesting. That means that uh, there may be actually uh, two ways here. You see, this is technically interesting. And it does not point the necessity for someone who has a kind of... uh, basic understanding on, of entrances was a kind of uh, uh, done away with these entrances that that person needs to go to the jhana. Here it is describing the four satipatthana. So once you have understood the entrances properly, then you can go directly to satipatthana, you can go also directly to the vipassana. So this is one possibility and this is the description that is given here. And also the the, the 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 comparison is that uh, with the post, huh? so the post and the elephant. You have the post, and then the, you you tie the elephant on the post. So the four foundation for the rousing of mindfulness are is is uh, are are the post. No, huh? but the post it's not something outside. It is it is it is these uh, these things. That means it is the body, and then the the feeling, the mind, and the, uh, mental objects, or, or the, the Dhamma Nupasana. But uh, if uh, we remember also the context to which that uh, sutta was given, it was given to the prince, the hessena. And then the challenge that, uh, that that prince was having, or the question also that he was having, is that: uh, or is it possible to get one-pointedness of mind? And also, is it possible Kind of uh, to be uh, to, to 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 be detached, to be away from sensual pleasure. So the ch- the, the 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 difficulty with that prince, which was who was f- fully immersed in sensual pleasure, uh, was that uh, you you he could not believe that you can uh, get out of it. So the further step here is that uh, from the satipatthana, then the Tathagata disciplines him further. Come, bhikkhu, abide contemplating the body as a body, but do not think thoughts connected with sensuality. Abide contemplating feelings as feelings, but do not think thoughts connected with sensuality. Abide contemplating mind as mind, but do not think thoughts connected with sensuality. Abide contemplating mind object as mind objects, but do not think thoughts connected with the sensuality. Some translation also. If you look at the the, the English, some translations are, are not uh, lack precision because uh, of the text that has been used. So, if you see some uh, some difference, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. This is the meaning here. So, the meaning is that uh, still, although you are practicing the four satipatthana, thoughts of sensuality or thoughts of uh, of sense pleasure can invite your mind. So, you have to take a kind of resolve and and, and just uh, incline your mind towards these four foundations of mindfulness with the idea that, uh, w- w- that, 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 uh, that you should not think so much about these things. And then the mind becomes more and more subtle, and the mind also becomes more and more happy. And from that happiness, then eventually the the the, the, the uh, very high quality of mind which is equivalent to uh, to the entrance to to the jhana will arise huh? and then and then and then you 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 can go further so the 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 the, the, the other steps that will follow is that uh, from there from the fourth satipatthana, then the person goes to the to the second jhana and then the third jhana and the fourth jhana and everything you see so from the f- four foundations of mindfulness uh then the person proceeds later on on the, on the Samatha uh, level. So, so we, we can have an idea that uh, uh, someone can start with the Vipassana and then proceed to Samatha, or someone can start with Samatha and then proceed later to the Vipassana, and uh, we have alternatives. So now they compare that uh, again. They compare that with the with the elephant, and then they say that uh, if the elephant dies, uh, well trained, uh, not not well trained, then uh, then it's not uh, he has missed he has missed something. So yes, yeah, yes. So he, so when we die, uh, when we die, then if we have given ourselves some kind of mind training, then we are more. We are more. We, we can. We can get a little bit more of happiness because because we have that. Uh, we have that men- mental training that we are doing with uh, with, with the meditation, like a, like an elephant, who well trained or an an elephant that is not well trained. So now, I will let you in the open, and uh, you should continue to be in silence. uh, And uh, uh, just to remind you that uh, the aspect of renunciation uh, has many levels. Now you have started, and you cannot say that you are not renunciate. For a great extent, you are renunciate, but uh, this is also the first step. You can have more steps, and the more steps you have, the more possibility you you will be able to go on the top of the mountain and then see a a perspective that you have never seen before or that you will be able to destroy the mountain and and, and see all these things that are spoken about or that you will go on top of the wall and then shoot another arrow and then go a little bit deeper so like this, uh, (coughs) we get uh, new perspectives and then our views are changing and then also our attitude change further. So I am very happy that you are practicing all very vigil- vigilantly and uh, you seem to make uh, all progress and uh, you are sensitive and dedicated and so, so it's very nice. Do you have any questions or we will finish it anyway, we will finish it here.